One of the things that um, I've been thinking about in this passage, which isn't always shared at Christmas time because it's not particularly a wonderful passage to share and gives you warm, fuzzy feelings, but from the outset of Jesus' birth, this little baby, you wouldn't think that a little baby could cause such offense, cause such distress, but this little baby did that. And Matthew records what happens after Jesus' birth. Of course, we get the story about the Magi visiting these individuals coming from the east who come to present gifts uh, following the star and, and all that that means and all that that conveys about who this little baby is. And so the king was threatened by that. Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Well, King Herod thought he was king of the Jews. And so he was threatened by that. This little baby from the outset starts off with this being offensive to somebody, threatening this, this king. So I want to share this passage and then just highlight three things. Again, not necessarily Christmassy, but three things that I think are important for us to remember as we begin another year. As we profess and claim Jesus as Lord, as we celebrate His birth, that this little baby is not just King of the Jews, He's King of all the earth. And the implications of that, because there are many implications, because our faith is not a privatized faith. It's a public faith. We go out into the world and we live it out. That's what God's called us to do. That's what Jesus said when he was talking about being salt and light. We don't simply practice our faith on Sunday morning from whatever time the church service is. Our faith is a public faith. That has lots of implications that this little baby born on Christmas still causes this great offense. And that's something we need to make sure we remember and realize as followers of Jesus walking into the year 2023. So let me read for you this passage out of Matthew. Of course, Matthew has his own recording of uh, Jesus's uh, birth, brief. Uh, Maybe a lot of you skipped through the whole lineage part in chapter 1. Uh, But there's a whole big, long lineage uh, where Jesus is coming from, his, his family tree. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Those were all important people. You needed to be able to trace your lineage back to Abraham. And so Matthew starts there, tells a brief story of Jesus' birth, talks about um, the Magi visit to the Messiah, and then goes on to tell us this story before he very quickly moves into, in chapter 3, John the Baptist preparing the way. So Matthew says about the Magi that had visited and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, of course, they went to Herod saying, where's the king of the Jews? And he says, well, when you find him, let me know so I can go worship there too. But being warned in a dream... They didn't go back to Herod. They returned to their country a different direction. So obviously Herod would have figured this out, that they didn't come back. They weren't going to tell him. And so that threat is still out there. It still exists somewhere out there. 
Verse 13 says, When they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream... He withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Matthew is beginning his gospel. Obviously, this is chapter 1 and 2. In this way, for a specific reason. And we've, we've already kind of seen... A piece of that, if you read through the genealogy, you're noticing that Matthew is making the point that Jesus can directly trace his roots to Abraham. And then you hear Matthew say, so was fulfilled from the prophets. And then he goes on to quote the Old Testament. And this fulfilled what the prophets said. And then he goes on to quote the Old Testament. And so he's making this connection with God's chosen people, Israel. Now, we, we start Matthew as the first book of the New Testament. We've ended the Old Testament. There's this 400 years of, of no revelation being given uh, in the way that God had done it before. And then, of course, John the Baptist breaks on the scene, and, you know, we get all this stuff happening with Jesus' birth, and, and God is... is doing something again. But Matthew is, is very uh, specific throughout the entirety of his gospel with regard to Old Testament connections. Because he's pointing out that it's not like God said, well, that didn't work in the Old Testament. Let's try it this way. Maybe this will work better. God is, and Matthew is doing this purposely. He is bringing what God has already done and bringing to its fulfillment what he plans to do through Jesus. And so it's important for us to remember that the Old Testament still has a big role to play in our lives as followers of Jesus who live under this new covenant in 2023. God is not necessarily done with his chosen people. Matthew is making a point that says it's not like God is scrapping all this. 
He's actually saying this, what I was doing here, is now being fulfilled. But the offense of this little baby, the, the birth of Jesus, is showing something else. And Matthew is telling us something important in the very outset of what he's going to tell us about Jesus, who this Jesus is. Now, we know from scholars that uh, Matthew was, and in his mind as the author, had in the intention of writing to a very Jewish audience. So a lot of these things that he is saying, they would have picked up on. They were steeped in the Old Testament. And so he's making a very important point here, though, in his first two chapters, and then chapter three with John the Baptist saying some things about preparing the way for this Messiah. Though God's not necessarily done with what He's doing with His chosen people, to be a part of God's family is not about tracing your lineage back to Abraham. The Pharisees tried to do that. Well, our father is the father of Abraham. Who's your father? They said to Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus starts pointing out to them that He and God are one. But what Matthew is telling us is that our standing before God, our position in God's family is not about whether our roots can be traced back to Abraham. Our position, our, whether or not we're a child of God, is determined in reference to Jesus. What do you believe about Jesus? Matthew's going to spend the rest of his gospel asking that question, saying this is who Jesus is. It's not about whether or not you trace your lineage to Abraham. It's about what you believe about Jesus. Is Jesus the Son of God? Is He the promised Messiah? And so it's called this messianic age, the, the age of the Messiah. That's what we're, the, the Jews were now experiencing. The promised one, the Messiah, the Christ, has come. And in this age, in the new covenant, it's not about your race or ethnicity. It's about what you believe about Jesus. So Matthew starts out after this brief story about the lineage of Jesus, and then uh, Joseph, my Bible says Joseph accepts Jesus as his son in chapter 1. That's, you know, the angel appearing to Joseph and telling him who, uh, what has been conceived in Mary, that you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save their people, his people from their sins. Jesus is the promised Messiah. It matters what you believe about Jesus. That's the point Matthew is making. And that point that he's making caused a lot of distress in Israel. You heard the story of what happened. When the Magi left and Herod decided to seek out any baby two years and younger in Bethlehem and its vicinity and basically had them killed. And in a dream, Joseph was told to go to Egypt. An angel, of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. The other thing, Matthew, from the outset, Matthew is again showing us that this is God's plan. God's redemptive story that he started writing is happening. 
And that redemptive story is not going to be thwarted. No one's going to stop this from happening. And so all over the very beginning of Matthew, we see dreams taking place in Joseph's life, dreams taking place in the Magi's life, the angel of the Lord appearing multiple times. This is God's divine initiative. God is doing this. God is the author of it, and evil will not prevail over it. That was something that Matthew was pointing out to us and making clear as he begins his story because it's going to get rough as we keep going through it. It's going to get difficult. And so Matthew is telling us that we can see clearly that God is in this. Remember, God had not shown up like he used to show up with the prophets and do amazing things through them and the words thus saith the Lord kind of thing. Time had passed. Hundreds of years go by. And now this little baby, we're supposed to believe that this little baby who was born is God's answer to the problem of sin, death, and defeating Satan himself and all of evil. And so what we see is God being the one who is involved in this. So as you read through Matthew, you're not supposed to forget that. As you start seeing some of the challenges, as you start seeing, well, and the leaders of the law are trying to create a plan to, to kill Jesus. And as I said, by the time we reach February, we're starting Lent. We know what that means. We know it's this time in which Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's going to happen to him. And then we think, wait, Matthew 1, we're seeing the Messiah being born, and now by the end of Matthew, this Messiah's on a cross. But Matthew doesn't want us to forget as we read this story, this amazing thing that God is doing. This is his story. And there's no one and no thing that's going to thwart that plan. He is the one writing this redemptive story. He will see that plan through. And it makes me think of Psalm chapter 2. Because sometimes we forget this. We look at the mess of our world the last couple of years, and some of you think, I'm not sure it's going to get any better. And sometimes we're like, okay, God, what in the world are you up to? What, what are we going to see? What are we in for? Is this plan of yours actually working? And the psalmist writes, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? That's what Herod was doing, conspiring and plotting to make sure that he remained king. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed saying. If it wasn't King Herod, it was another king. It was his son who is even worse than him. And if it wasn't that king, it was another king. And they rise up and guess what? They're all dead now. And guess what? There's going to be some more in 2022 and 2023. They rise up against the Lord saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. And here's God's response. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. This is God's story. He gives us a part in it. We get to play this role in his redemptive story. And that's a pretty amazing thing 
I don't get why He wants us to play that role because we can mess it up pretty much. Just follow the disciples' lives around. They can do it. Just think of your own life. I could do it. I can mess it up pretty bad, and yet God gives us a part in this redemptive story. But don't lose sight of, as Matthew is telling us, this is God's story. This is His divine initiative, and nothing is going to stop that. And when we're all kind of wringing our hands over what's going to happen next, God is laughing and scoffing at them. They're conspiring and devising things in vain. Joseph has a dream. God tells him to go to Egypt. The angel of the Lord appears to him, tells him what to do. The angel appears to the shepherds, tell them. The angel appears to the magi, tells them. God is the one doing this. He's going to keep the story going forward. That's important for us to remember because things are going to get dicey as Matthew keeps going forward. They still are in our world. This little baby caused such great offense and anguish in someone's life that it actually drove them to kill innocent children. That's what Herod did. It still happens. Not only that, but the plan of the Messiah coming out of Bethlehem, now we know that's where Jesus was born. In the story, we hear that because of Herod's son, who was the king that followed him, Archelaus, he was more evil than Herod himself. And so God told Joseph to take his family to Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what the prophet said about Nazareth, about being a Nazarene. Now, there's no direct quotation from the Old Testament about Nazareth itself. But there's place after place after place talking about people and the type of people that came from that area. And if you read Isaiah 53, you'll hear about this despised, suffering servant. And in Acts, we find that Nazareth had a reputation all over Israel. When you were called someone who was part of the sect of the Nazarene, it was a derogatory statement. It was not something they said to encourage you or be a positive. Nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. That was the question that Philip asked. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And yet that's exactly where the Messiah comes from. Despised and rejected. King of the Jews. They rejected their own king. And as we see Jesus' life, of course, we know his family rejected him at first. We see Jesus' life, and many rejected him. At the end of his life, even Peter himself denied him three times. So as Matthew tells us this story, as he begins his gospel, as he begins the good news that Jesus came, his, his account of Jesus' life and ministry, here's what I want us to know about us as followers of Jesus. It's 2023. You think we've moved beyond the same exact things that Matthew is talking about? This little baby still causes great offense in our world. 
just start telling people that there's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus. There's only one person that can give life. There's only one person who has the truth, knows the truth, in fact has said he is the truth. Just start talking that way out there and see how popular you become. See, it still matters what you believe about Jesus and not just that he's the Savior, but everything the Bible is telling us. God's revelation about the world, where it all came from, why it's so messed up, who we are as human beings, human sexuality, our worth as humans, the sanctity of human life, Sunday, that's why we're focusing on that. Believing in Jesus has far-reaching implications. It's not just believing in this really nice guy who said you should love everybody. What still matters our position with God, whether we are a son or daughter of God's, is in reference to what we believe about Jesus and the implications that has for all of our life. Our faith is not a private faith. It is a very public faith. And I choose to do or not do certain things, say or not say certain things because of what I believe about Jesus and what He has said about life and His connection He has made to the beginning. I read it for you in, over Advent. In the beginning was the Word. He is connecting specifically with Genesis 1, God's revelation to us. It still matters. And as we've discovered, it still causes great offense in this world. We've talked about this. We focus on this every year, the persecuted church. In fact, it can, get, it can still get you killed just like it did in those days in Bethlehem. It's 2023. You think something should have changed by now. But it hasn't. The words of Matthew are still true today. It matters what you and I believe about Jesus and the implications that has in our life. It is that belief and that alone which puts us in right standing with God. Are we sons and daughters of His? It's not about where I trace my lineage. It's not about the fact that I grew up in uh, the United States of America where everybody's pretty much Christian. I actually had a, this is kind of weird. I had a dream, I think it was last night, about talking to someone. I don't know why I was thinking, we were talking about airport in, in Atlanta, Georgia. So I, I don't know if that was on my mind. But I had a dream I was talking to somebody in Georgia and there, everybody's pretty much a Baptist because, you know, everybody's a Baptist down south. And so it's not about that. And I said, I bet you go to First Baptist Church. And they're like, yeah, I do go to First Baptist Church. Like, so does everybody else. Every church is First Baptist Church. It's not about our lineage. It's not about that I grew up in the church. It's not about that I grew up in the United States of America, that I grew up in Georgia. It's our reference to Jesus. What do we believe about Him? It still matters, just like what Matthew said. God's plan, it's still His thing. You know, we, we get concerned sometimes. I get concerned sometimes. I won't lie to you. It's concerning sometimes to me to see what's going on in our world. But Matthew reminds Ted, he reminds all of us, that his plan isn't going to be thwarted. Things are going to get dicey. They already are. But remember what he has done as he revealed to Matthew. God's in all of this. 
God's overseeing it. God is bringing to completion his story of redemption, and Jesus will set all things right. And so what he calls to us, what he calls us to is faithfulness until that happens. Evil is not going to prevail. We're going to celebrate that not too far from now in April where God finally puts an end and says, you will be finished. And when Jesus walks out of that tomb alive, he's proved that. God is in this whole story. So as we look at the world, as we think about and maybe concerned about 2023, we shouldn't lose sight. God's plan's not going to be thwarted. This is his story. He gives us a part, a role to play in it, but it's his divine initiative. And just as Matthew said, so fulfilled the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene, which was a term of derision. That also has not changed. The followers of Jesus will continue to be the subject of scorn, ridicule, and derision. I read an article December 6th of this year. There was a lady standing outside an abortion clinic. The abortion clinic was closed. She's standing there. She's well-known. She is the uh, leader of the March of Life in the UK, in the United Kingdom. This was in Birmingham in the United Kingdom. So I'm sure people knew her, but she's standing still. The, the clinic is closed, and an officer comes up to her and says, are you praying? And she says, I may have been praying silently in my head, and they arrested her. You can't do that outside the clinic because that's going to cause protest. It's what they've termed antisocial behavior. And I was thinking to myself, well, he's just justified the existence of God. I mean, if God is a figment of our imagination, he should have taken her to the insane asylum. She's prayed to some imaginary figure. Silently praying in our head can get you arrested somewhere. It's not even open. She didn't even talk to anybody. She said, I've walked by this place a thousand times, and when she walks by, she prays. I think as we walk into 2023... We need to make sure we walk into it with our eyes wide open. When Matthew wrote what he wrote, he was writing it to people to say, look, you need to understand the beginning of this story, what it's caused, even at the outset of this little baby, what happened in Bethlehem. You need to make sure you understand that when you believe in Jesus, this is going to take place. But don't lose sight of the fact that God And his divine initiative is not going to be stopped. So as we think about 2023, we think about what it holds, the uncertainties of what it holds, the mystery that stands before us. We need to walk into it with our eyes wide open. Only weeks ago before Christmas, this lady is arrested because she was praying in her head to God. But the question still remains for us. 
It's not our ethnicity. It's not a race. It's not where I grew up. It's not the church I went to all my life. It's not what state I live in. It's our reference to who Jesus is. What do we believe about Jesus? Are we willing to stake our life on Him, build our life on Him, and all the implications that has as we live out this faith very publicly, even when we silently stand somewhere and pray? It has implications. God is calling His church to be faithful to His mission. That's what we're going to do here at Grace Church. I pray that's what you and your family will do as well. Let's pray. God, as Matthew reminds us in this story, in the very beginning, really, of his gospel and getting things started, God, he reminds us of the challenges we face as followers of Jesus. He reminds us, Lord, that things can get dicey, but he reminds us, too, that this is your redemptive story, your divine plan, and it will not be thwarted. When kings and all the smart people of the world devise plans against you, you sit enthroned in heaven and scoff and laugh. God, as we walk into 2023 with all of its uncertainty, with all the unknowns, God, may we walk into it with courage. May we walk into it with our heads high, our eyes wide open. God, walk into it believing that you will work and move to bring about your redemptive purposes and knowing, God, that it is your desire to use us to bring that about your church here in Schuylkill Haven and across the world. God, help us to dedicate ourselves to this. Help us to continue to stand firm on our belief in who Jesus Christ is, the Messiah of the world, the one who was sent into the world to save his people, us, from our sins. God, help us to build our lives on him. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.